to Vaudeville. I'm here with a very special guest. She is back. She has been in several episodes and I am here with... It's Paris. Welcome back, everybody. Are you happy to see me again? Yay, Paris. We've missed you, so... I have missed being on here. I love coming on your show. Oh, thank you. Uh, So, guys, sit back, relax and enjoy. So, Paris, who are you? So, I am Paris. I'm a friend of Naomi's from college. Um, Psychology degree. If you ever hear me talk about anything like that, just know there is a little bit of background. Um, Now, I work full-time as a paralegal in an education law firm, which is actually a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. We're going to talk about Paris' identity as a paralegal. So what I do as a paralegal is I handle a lot of things that attorneys don't want to deal with. Specifically, I do civil law for school districts. Um, So, you know, we help them with the hiring process. We help them anything they need to acquire new property, set up a new school district, you know, things of that nature. But I used to work at a firm that was primarily uh, insurance defense law, which is as terrible as it sounds. I will be honest about that. I'm so glad I do not do that anymore. (laughs) I remember, if I'm really maybe remembering well, um, that in your prior, I think the insurance law place, they were one of the people who were suing the Murdoch guy? Yes. So I actually used to work for the receivers in the Murdoch lawsuit, which receivers are such a weird little part of the law. Receivers would be put in place to sell off assets to settle any debts that they would have. So, you know, there's an outstanding lawsuit. We would a receiver would deal with the process of ending the lawsuit and setting out settlement money. That's what uh, we were doing for the Murdoch case. So, you know, anything for the Satterfields, for any of the boat crash victims, we were dealing with getting them the money that they were due. And trying to find it because nobody knows where his money is. <laughs> that case was a whole roller coaster, right? I'm talking from like more or less the criminal perspective of it because that case was mind-blowing and there were more than one people doing so many wrong things and I was like what is happening oh yeah and one of them uh this week actually just you know pled guilty and he's going to prison for almost four years and I'm like I mean I wish it was more but I'll take it (laughs) who pled guilty uh he was the other attorney involved in the housekeepers settlement um Corey Fleming, he was charged federally with, uh, I want to say, uh, like wire fraud, stuff, things of that nature. So anything related to the fraud regarding the settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pled guilty and he is in prison now. He surrendered himself the day he pled. Um, Russell Lafitte, the banker, is still fighting to not go to prison, but he has been convicted. Um, and he was like breach of fiduciary 
duty, something like that. Mm. And let's let's get it a little bit more personal. Did you always know you wanted to do law? Um, or was that something that just fell on your lap and you was like, you know, me do that? So when I was actually, when I was a little kid, I actually did want to be a lawyer for a while. Um, my uncle is a lawyer. He actually recently retired, I want to say in the past two years, um, but he did environmental law. So, you know, helping companies make sure that they could comply to statutes, you know, if something went wrong, how to fix it, things of that nature. And I always thought what he did was really cool. Um, but as I grew up, you know, got, went to high school, I realized I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, most lawyers, especially involved in any sort of litigation, so lawsuits, anybody involved in criminal law, for your first 10 years, you're putting in a minimum of 60 to 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds awful. No, thank you. <laughs> So I went and I got my degree in psychology. Um, I was actually planning on going to grad school to be a forensic psychologist, but I ended up not taking the GRE when I was supposed to. Um, So I ended up taking it a year late. And, you know, in the meantime, while I was going to be sending out my applications, I needed to work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed to save money to go to grad school. And I got a job as a records clerk. And I completely fell in love with working in the law not as an attorney um so i was a records clerk i worked my way up at my firm um to become a legal assistant i got my certificate to be a paralegal and then in last november so almost a year at that point i changed firms and now i'm a paralegal where i am now and i'm so happy to be there i really enjoy the work i do I'm glad you do enjoy it. Uh, I think at one point in my life too, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, that's literally was one of well, that's not what I, I mean, said it, in English. As a kid, it's so cool because like you see all the lawyers on TV and you're like, yeah. I want to be that guy. I want to go to court and I want to argue in front of the judge. <laughs> and then you get older and then you start working in the law industry and you find out that like 85 to 90 percent of cases never go to court and it's like, oh yeah, um, okay. And it's even that I did a lot of, like, debate and something like Model UN. So I was like, yeah, this is the pathway I'm going to go to. I'm going to go and provide justice for people. And then as I, like, mm-hmm. fell into the rabbit hole that is true crime, I realized it's not as black and white as it seems, you know, on telly or on yeah. other cases. I like, like, That's... lawyers like Togo Marshall and, like, his work that he did, like, you know, throughout civil rights and I was like oh I'm going to do that I'm going to provide justice for people you know let the innocent people go free and then I was like but then if you do because a lot of things that you have to work for to make money that's the key word Mm -hmm. to make money you work for like firms and a firm can just drop a case on your lap and be like you're supposed to represent this murderer and I'm like hee hee if by any yeah. means they let me do that, I won't be able... I will literally go to the judge and be like, he is guilty, bruv. <laughs> like, there is no... There is no... And you can't okay. do that. I know, I like, know. I said That's why like, I will never work in any sort of criminal law because, like, morally, it's just like, oh, nothing. Yeah. You deserve representation, but I don't want to be the one to be giving it to you. Yeah, I, I was like, um, let me say, um, because... I won't be able to sleep, I won't be able to eat if I know I'm like, the person I'm representing definitely did it. Or I wasn't sure, you know, and then I have to defend the person and then you find out like, 
10 years later, he was actually the one, but now they can't charge him because it's double jeopardy. And I was like, right. what? <laughs> Take that, that man away. <laughs> so we, <laughs> this is a very fun story of probably the single rudest attorney I've ever had to interact with. Um, so this man was primarily a divorce and criminal defense lawyer. Which is already like a, oh, okay, that's a murky situation yeah. going in. And, you know, he was just being super rude with how he was asking for things. And I went to the attorney I worked for and I was like, hey, what do we do about this? And he just, we decided we were just going to work with him until he was too much of a dick and then it would be war. But the attorney told me this story that it turns out the other attorney, the one who's being rude, he was actually a magistrate judge for a long time, which is, you know, um, lower value things. So uh, court of, oh God, I can't remember the name of it right now, but small things, you know, I gave you 200 bucks to do my fence. You didn't do it. I'm going to sue you over the, the money. But he was a judge and an attorney at the time and then he helped one of his clients hide $2 million that he stole from his employer and went to federal prison. Well, and then when he got out of federal prison, he studied and retook the bar exam and got readmitted to be a lawyer. How is that even possible? <laughs> Isn't it like prison should be one of the reasons why someone should not continue being a lawyer? Actually, if like you're literally hiding money for your client so you can go to prison and you can when you get out if you pass the bar the state that you pass the bar and has the jurisdiction to not allow you to become a lawyer so you can pass and then get rejected on moral standing that's actually um one of the leading white supremacists of the 90s um got turned down because they were like you are a terrible person who has bad moral character but, you know, they were like, yeah, he learned his lesson. And they just were like, yeah, no, he can have his bar license back. <laughs> That's absolutely rubbish. Um, now, what fascinated you about the idea of law? What drew you closer to it? So I was actually just kind of looking for anything. That's, you know, I didn't like the firm I was with at the po at that point. So I was just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll apply to a bunch of different places. I actually almost worked for um, one of our direct competitors, which would have been really funny. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I was working with a recruiter who put me in for this position. And the people were just so nice. And it just felt very good walking in there. Because, you know, when you walk into a place and you're like, oh, the vibes here are bad. I'm not yeah. coming back. Um, they were all just really nice, really friendly. That's nice. And, you know, I a lot of the stuff we see, the parents have a point. I will never say that the parents don't have a point. Sometimes they don't. Somebody recently... Um, asked for a plane to be provided to their child and the district said no plane. you're crazy a plane 
Yeah, it's a whole big thing, but um. Oh. Yeah. A plane to school? A plane like what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is I, this like I, a very rich school? Because like, what do you mean a plane? It wasn't. It. I. I can't talk about it that much. Oh yeah. Privacy, but like, people cannot. People sometimes ask for crazy things, but parents at their heart want what's best for their kids. Mm. So. This, our job is to balance what is best for the kid with what the district can actually provide. Because, mm. like, sometimes, yeah, that would be really good for the kid. We can't, I can't help you with that. Like, we don't have these services. We can't provide them to you, which is something that we have to acknowledge sometimes. And we work with the parent to, you know, the district can't provide it, but we will reimburse you you know, 50% of the cost to get this treatment, yeah, which we've done. And it's just something that's important. And then <laughs> every once in a while you get emails like this one we recently got where it was a parent was complaining that his child, who is a picky eater, can't bring anything, you know, peanuts to the classroom. They can't bring peanut butter. And it's because another child that that, that the complaining parent's kid had a class with was so allergic to peanuts that if they smelled peanuts, they would start going into anaphylactic shock. And this parent wanted to know what the consequences were if his daughter brought peanuts. Why would you do that? Why would you put that child in jeopardy? I, and he just fully did not see the issue with what he was asking. And it's just like the consequences, a child would be dead. So <laughs> that's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm with the district on this one. Like, what? Yeah. What is wrong with you as a human being that you don't consider the life of a child more important than your child's picky eating? I also want to ask in a sense, how do you, because a lot of, some of these things won't sound funny, but some of them, I think, can go downright messed up, because literally, pre this podcast, we're literally talking about this guy who got, um, who is currently, I think, in jail, or got arrested because he had inappropriate relations with minors, but how do you desensitize when you hear these things? Like, I feel like, it seems like quite a lot, like, dealing with, yeah, there is, like, very funny stories, like, the guy who really wants to have his daughter carry peanuts to school, even though, like, that could literally be the death of another child, or the one that (laughs) wants a plane, but then it can really get dark very quickly, and, like, how do you give yourself space for that? So, we do see stuff like that, we, thankfully, we don't see it that often, um, like, there are stories about it, in the news but they're mostly stories in the national news so it can seem like oh there are a lot of terrible teachers but in reality there's you know one per state so that's a very important thing but when it gets really sad honestly i just turn off i look away from my computer for a second i go to youtube i go to a streaming service and i pull up whatever i think would make me happier laugh in that moment so, like, I just finished watching season 15 of Drag Race because 15? that was, oh. you know, oh, Drag Race. Okay. That made me happy. <laughs> no, because when you said season 15, I thought you were, like, one of those people that watched Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, wow, that's, like, a lot of seasons. <laughs> but you said Drag Race. No, no, that makes just, a lot more sense. Okay. Just 
anything that'll make it, you know, take my mind off of it. Let me like center myself. Yeah. And as soon as I'm, you know, maybe I wouldn't say like back to normal, but like, okay, I can deal with this. I'll keep moving on. I know that some attorneys deal with it by like, okay, this, this case is too sad at the moment. I'm going to put that down and I'm going to work on a different case. Mm. So it's just a matter of distracting yourself. And honestly, sometimes just acknowledging that there are terrible people out there and we just have to do our best to make sure they can't be terrible anymore. Yeah. Does your personality work well with the job you do? How does that fit into it? What do you, what are the highlights of it? Um, having a set type of personality with the current work you're doing in law? So, you know me, I'm super helpful. I want to, you know, make sure things go smoothly. Yeah. And a lot of the people I work with are the same way, which is really great because it means if somebody's out of the office, you know, you will be covered. It will not be an issue. Like, the ball isn't going to get dropped because you have to stay home and get your AC fixed today, which is really nice. Mm. And so I think just that like being able to work together with the other people in my office makes everything so much easier um and then also just you know it's a lot of very detail-oriented stuff so you know I've in the past put together entire spreadsheets about you know a person's medical history like with dates and what doctor they went to and so being able to just sit down and focus on that, which is very dry information for like two hours is super helpful. Like being like, okay, this is important. So I need to write this down. I don't care if it's the 12th time. This is okay. We have this. Yeah. Wow. That, that's really amazing. Do you see us? I know you said that you realize that you do want to do law. Are you going to go to law school, get something, like, did you just put your graduate degree on pause? Because you said you didn't do the GRE and then you didn't, like, is that still something you're going to do? Or are you going into more, like, the legal part? And what does that look like for you in the future? So I actually, I'm not going to go to uh, grad school anymore. It's too expensive, you know. Yeah. The, honestly, uh, forensic psychology after listening to a lot of true crime podcasts it is inaccurate enough to make me concerned about putting you know having the wrong person be arrested that I'm like I don't feel comfortable with this um, but I also don't really want to go to law school I mean it's funny I tell that to people who don't work in law and they're like oh why not and it's always like oh you're not trying hard enough <laughs> and then I tell that to any attorney and they're like yeah I get it <laughs> which I think is hilarious um but no I went back I actually got my paralegal certification through USC um big props it's a really good program if you know you're anywhere in the southeast yeah, um, I think you need to specify South Carolina because if you do say USA, the first thing that right. comes to people is South California. <laughs> so. Yeah, University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Oh. Go Cox. What? Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, the amount of shirts you see during the school year that just say Go Cox on them, 
makes me so happy. It's so funny. <laughs> anywhere else, it's like, what are you talking about? Here, it's like, no, no, the Gamecocks. You know, the, the giant rooster? Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, if you are in the southeast, you know, it works best in South Carolina, but surrounding states the university of south carolina paralegal certification program is very good you can actually get taught by lawyers through the law school so yeah i'm very happy with where i am i might you know i'm never gonna say i'm gonna stay in the same place forever but i enjoy where i work now i'm not planning on leaving it anytime soon but you know, transferable skill set. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you have a sense of, like, to me, security in, like, what you're doing. Um, yeah. Because it seems like there's little uncertainty with it because, like, you're currently working at a firm and things that I know firms don't really like changing a lot of, like, paralegals because, like, you know, there are a lot of cases, sensitive cases that each paralegal goes through and all those kind of things. And just having that person that you're used to is amazing um, to love those things. Um, but... Now let's 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 take it more serious a little bit. Um, so someone gets arrested, <laughs> what should they do, and what is the legal process for it, either through the criminal space or the civil space? So first thing you should always do, especially if you get arrested, is contact a lawyer. I have not worked in the criminal justice space. I have not worked in criminal law. I'm not going to tell you what to do outside of that. But the first thing you should do is call a lawyer if you know a lawyer's phone number or call your family so that they can get you a lawyer representation is really important and if you cannot afford a lawyer one will be provided to you the public defender's office is there for that reason and they are good attorneys but each public defender has more than 50 cases so it is a good chance that it will be better for you if you hire outside counsel. Now, in the civil side, which is what I do, the first thing in a formal judiciary you know, cycle, there will be a summons and complaint. So what a summons and complaint is, is basically like, okay, these are the people I'm suing in the summons, you know. That's you have to be provided with a summons and complaint by the plaintiffs. Um, there's a whole system for that. You know, it will be you can handle it. Your attorney should handle it if you have an attorney. Now, you don't have to have an attorney in any type of civil litigation. You should. I, I please, please get an attorney if you were going to sue somebody, but you don't have to. So. And then the complaint. So that's the summons. A complaint basically just lays out, you know, the pertinent information. So this is who I am. This is who the defendants are. This particular county has jurisdiction over this case for this reason. Cool. You just got served. You got your summons and complaint. Shit. Okay. What do I do now? (laughs) You get an attorney. Once again, get an attorney, please. It will make everything so much better for everyone. We, at my firm that I work at, every time we get a a summons and complaint to a school district where the plaintiff doesn't have an attorney, which is something called being pro se, everybody gets upset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's mainly 
for you know actual like legitimate reasons so you know if you don't work in law and you're gonna be your own attorney you don't know formatting like on a on just a, the most basic level you don't know how things should be formatted you don't know deadlines for things you don't know what's appropriate to ask for so things of that nature um trial doesn't happen for at least a year in just about every case really mm-hmm. um the shortest trial I've ever seen in a civil case was a year and a half. And that was fast because there's almost always a number of delays for various reasons. You know, we, Oh, we realized we need more discovery. So we need to push the discovery deadline out farther, which pushes everything else farther because there needs to be a certain amount of days between the discovery deadline and trial. There can also be, you know, if an attorney passes away, that's that automatically pushes things back. That happened in a case that we worked at in federal court, and you know that pushed it back a month at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so trial, which most cases don't go to trial. In fact, a lot of them settle at the step right before that, which is called primarily mediation. Okay, have you ever heard of mediation? No, I had. I thought it was called a plea. <laughs> in in like, it's criminal plea. court, it's called a plea. Oh, okay, I have. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that's why it's called a plea. Well, no, not mediation. It's it's pretty similar, honestly. So in criminal court, you know, your attorney and the district attorney's office will go back and forth on how long you're going to spend in prison. Mm. In civil case your attorney and the other side go back and forth on how much money is going to change hands. And the person who's acting as the intermediary, you know, taking the offers back and forth is called the mediator. Have you seen a lot of legal shows and how accurate are you like, do you like, Ooh, that is so wrong. Or like, wow, there is oh, actually an accurate show. And what is like it's the most legal? physically painful sometimes. It is? <laughs> like which one is the most like painful to watch and which one is like the least painful to watch? Like in the sense of like, okay, they're kind of accurate, but there are like some mistakes here and there. But like, wh- what shows are like, whoa, that's like literally all fiction. <laughs> this is, I don't know. Uh, okay, so Suits is pretty bad. It is not that accurate because they're specifically going for like a sensationalized view. Yeah. I, I mean, the original Law and Order, kind of, but the timeline is super condensed and sometimes what they show at trial is not super accurate. Yeah. Honestly, there's not a lot of really, really good. Have you watched Out to Get Away Murder? <laughs> Have you watched How to Get Away Murder? I don't know. I, that's like one of my favorites. Um, I haven't seen it, but I have not heard that it's super accurate. <laughs> I mean, I definitely believe that if they're going to reduce it in the span of 15 minutes or less, it's not going to be very <laughs> accurate. Like, to be honest, what real law and order will be, it will be like, doo-doom, doo-doo-doo-doo. and then once they start the show, by season 13, they still haven't still tried the person from season one. That's like legally accurate how things are, and obviously suits is to me suits is very funny to watch because like they kind of give this guy like a folder and be like I found the 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 case that is similar to this case and then they read through it in like thirty seconds and like yeah we've got okay. it like bro <laughs> who is reading that Something fast like that 
is what you would call a Brady violation in criminal court. So a Brady violation is basically when the state doesn't turn over all of the evidence that has been accrued. Um, oh, that is a major issue. If that happens, charges are more like more than likely going to be completely dropped because you have to have all of the information. This is another thing I can tie back to the Murdoch trial for anybody who watched. So in that case, the state turned over all of the evidence and they made a really big deal out of the um, spatter material on a T-shirt. And the defense pushed back and they were like, no, your testing was awful, blah, 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 blah. And then it got to trial, to the pretrial motions, which pretrial motions basically deal with specific things that are going to happen in court. So it's like, okay, we don't want this piece of evidence presented. The judge will rule one way or the other on that. But they got to court and the judge ruled that the shirt evidence wasn't, you know, you couldn't use it. And the state went, okay, fine. We didn't really need it. (laughs) And the defense had spent so much time focusing on it that they had completely missed all of the cell phone data. Whoa that put Alec at the scene of the murders, like right as they happened. So if the, if the state hadn't turned over that cell phone information, rather than it just being missed, that would be a breach violation. Wow. Wow. Which, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, it is very bad. Um, but to get back to the original question, movies actually tend to be more accurate they show a more condensed timeline a lot of the time but they are pretty good like aaron brockovich is a very very accurate civil law movie wow um so i always end this season um episode by asking you um as uh for those who are still figuring things out in relation to like their careers and stuff like that you were able to figure it out because it was literally like something you fell into and really ended up loving you know so much so like Mm -hmm. what advice would you give people as like trying to figure themselves out in that sense okay one of the big things that i was doing when i was looking for this job my first job out of college get something like you know a linkedin a zip recruiter any sort of job site set up parameters to you know how much money you want to make you know the things you think you could do and apply to everything that comes in now it might not be the most interesting job in the world it might not be something you end up enjoying but it'll at least get you your foot in the door it'll get you some type of experience i mean i applied to a lot of jobs that I would rather not have done, but if it was going to get me a job at that point, I needed it. And then once you get a job, you work there for a little bit, you can start looking for things that you would actually prefer to do. So if I had gotten a job working as a front desk assistant somewhere and I hated it, I would at least have job experience on my resume. Yeah. it's you know not the nicest solution in the world it's not a super fancy one but it is really helpful in the long run wow 
Thank you so much, Paris. I always enjoy whenever you're here. Um, it's always a nice, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, did you enjoy this episode or talking about law today? <laughs> oh my god, it's, I know I kind of just started rambling there in the middle. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. It and is such a complicated thing. Um, there's a lot of websites that are super helpful, but honestly, once again, if you get sued, please hire an attorney. If you're going to sue somebody, please get an attorney. If you get arrested, definitely hire an attorney. Don't represent yourself. That's dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> I've never seen someone who, like, I've never heard a story. I guess maybe I've not done enough research of someone who, like, successfully represented themselves. There's always some... It's It's possible. Um... Successfully? It's possible for us to get to the moon, but we don't do that. We don't do that right now. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> There's a really classic phrase. Um, anyone who represents themselves has an idiot for a client. That's a really great way to put it, especially for criminal court. <laughs> you can get away with it for civil sometimes. Because judges are very nice to pro se civil defendants, civil plaintiffs, because they get that you're doing it yourself. But also, their patience will wear thin. <laughs> yeah. Also, you need. I'll recommend you watch Jury Duty. Just not even like definitely for the legal aspects here and there, but like the end is quite nice. Um, it's a show <laughs> on. I think it's Freevee, which you can actually watch for free there, and also on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it there. It's really, it's a really good show. Um, I point, should at some point. That'd be fun. It is really good. It's kind of comedy-ish. <laughs> Um, oh, that's ten out of ten already. <laughs> it's comedy and like it's funny and it's like quite nice. Um, and you like it. Um, so yeah. Um, little announcement for the viewers. I am taking a break, as I should. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm taking a break from podcasting for a month. So the next time you hear my voice on any devices you're listening to, either your phone or your laptop, iPads, whatever, will be in September. So I am excited for the continuation of season five. Season five is still season five right now. Um, and <laughs> also another announcement, this is the technically our 60th episode, if you count the trailers and every other episode that have come before it. And yay, it's, it has, it's a journey. Uh, and it's quite I'm excited for 60 more episodes or 100 more episodes to come. Um, and yeah, I am excited. So thank you for listening to Fort Will. Mm-hmm.